Hello, everyone, and welcome to Show Hoppers. Today we are covering Watchmen, Episode Three. She was killed by space junk. I am Mr. Sal, a high school science teacher, rewatching Watchmen because I love it, and I'm I'm doing so with my co-host and former student, Kurt. Kurt, look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. <laughs> Sorry, God. <laughs> I, I accept your apology. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know if you're the blue one or the other one. Yeah. Uh, Kurt, did you watch the episode? I hope so, because we're about to discuss it. <laughs> I think I, I did. I, I did. This, I did half the homework, but I think I can fake oh. my way through the other half. Okay. But you don't know which half I, I actually did. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think it's time for us to figure that out. So let's guess each other's ratings. Rating. Hmm, Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. There's a lot of book nostalgia in this episode. I, I think you really like that. Uh, it's a Laurie-centered episode. So, like the, our central character, our point of view character, is a character from the graphic novel. I think you like that a lot, and I think you like her just in general. We find out that the Lord of the Manor, who the Lord of the Manor is. I think you like that. You you had it narrowed down to one of two. You did not land on this one, but I think you're okay with it. And uh, let's see. I think we get. I think we get some answers to some things. We also raise some more questions, but I think we get uh, enough answers to satisfy. I think this is your favorite episode so far. Uh, I don't know if you gave it a. T- I'm going to be bullish and say you gave it a ten. Hmm. We'll see you as a bull, Mister Sal. Was pushing people out of your way. It's true. I don't know what else bulls do besides that. I guess <laughs> run at red things. <laughs> <don't like> color <laughs> red. <laughs> anyway, kill clowns. <laughs> Impregnate um, cows. I... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, bull analogy aside, you definitely like Lori. I mean, you already given the last two episodes 10, and I, I think this is. I mean, you've already guessed my rating. I do think this is the best one yet. So, and I think you agree with that notion. So, I think you also gave this one a ten. Yeah, this is the episode that really hooked me on the series. I, I was, I was like, I was really enjoying the series up to this point. What I'm talking about the first time I watched this. The first time I watched it, really enjoying the series, and I saw this episode, and I was like, oh my god, this, this is phenomenal. This is amazing. I love Lori so much. I love that. I love that we find out it's Adrian Vite. Uh, I, there's like nothing I don't like about this episode. It's so good. Yeah. I guess we, we, Angela gets a little bit sidelined in this episode, but not, not even too much. She still gets some pretty meaty things to do. So I don't, I don't think it's enough of a sideline to detract. So I, I adore this episode. It really is. This was the hook for me with this series. So yeah, this, I give it a 10. This reminds me of a chapter three and four of the the comic, because that's what that's that's what really hooked me into reading the comics. Like, wow, this is really yeah. good. I like this. It's very yeah. good. Uh, which is the doctor. I think that's the Doctor Manhattan like interview and whatnot. It's basically more about Doctor Manhattan. And then chapter four is when he his like lone chapter when he's on Mars thinking and whatnot. Mm-hmm. This one all about Lori. Lori is really good. She's really funny. I have thoughts about it. And this episode, to me, does not pose as many questions as it does answers. I feel like it answers a yes, lot of things. I agree. And I enjoy that. 
and I feel like I know this world pretty well. Supplemental materials, all right to help boot with it. That's not part of the rating really at all. But no, no, no. Yeah, I don't think but, it can be. It's good. Uh, I like the world, and I do like that. I know it's Adrian Vite now. I was kind of worried that the lore of the manor we'd never learn like what it was for a while or like mm-hmm. what it is. But I, I think we're slowly maybe and figuring the, out some stuff out. I love that there are still like questions about Adrian Vite. You know, it's not just yeah. like the, the fact that we know who it is does not solve any of the mystery surrounding this guy, except for you know his identity. But I'm but, I am still baffled that apparently you could watch this series without ever reading the comics still yeah like i have notes throughout my notes about like what oh yeah here uh, pretty early on in the episode when senator keen comes over to um Lori's place Mm -hmm. and insinuates oh i could help you get that owl out of the cage Mm -hmm. like come on really you tell me (laughs) if you never read the comics you would understand that pretty well I forget the supplemental material covered it, but it's, it will only be like a sentence or two yeah. that covered yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, and and the supplemental material is not even available anymore universally. It's, so yeah. not available like, anymore. How many people actually went and read the supplemental material when it was out? That's, that's a fair point. It's not like the nothing, comics. There's it's nothing like, in the in the series in the in the show that tells you to go look at the supplementary material. Yeah, like the the comics are different because it's literally like. It's basically part of the comic. Like you finish yeah. the chapter, calling it supplemental is kind of, you know, it's 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 part of the the story. Like, it's just not. It's just not comic. Yeah, it's just not like in the. Yeah, it's just it's in world. Yeah, it's just in world reading stuff. It's yes. Like you would never know about uh, the author Shay really if you never read the supplemental material or some other in world events. Like you just have to. I don't think the story doesn't make sense mm-hmm. if you don't. Right. But, yeah, yeah. So I I don't disagree with you. And by the way, folks, before we get too far, we will be spoiling the the graphic novel. We will not be spoiling future episodes of Watchmen. I haven't seen them yet. That's right. Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned that. You're watching it for the first time. Yep. That's right. So, yeah. so what did you give this episode? Did you give it a nine or a ten? Nine plus one. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, ten. Yeah. It's, it's so good. It's, it's like very good. The the running bit about Lori in the phone booth is just. I think that's just spectacular. That, that stuff is phenomenal. You get it throughout we, the whole episode. Man, I really hope we see Doctor Manhattan again. <laughs> I really do. Well, oh. Kurt, I'm going to tell you, we might. <laughs> 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 or uh, we might not yeah, <laughs> so, yeah there you go i really hope we do these phone things i think are a total scam like he's not on mars they keep saying it so and this is another thing right if you didn't read the comics you would not know the potential fact that <laughs> i don't think he's on mars well the, now look in the, in the comics that should take place in 1985 he does not go to mars at the end of the contact that's true but yeah did he come it's back been, and go it's to been mars? 35 years now like, i get that i get that he could have yeah. came back and went to mars yeah but i don't you know, think that's he, the case he had been there once before maybe he really liked it he had a nice castle there no because they never come to the fact that he came back from another universe or galaxy or wherever he went off to where did he go off to a universe or galaxy no, i think he said galaxy but I, I, I don't know. I'd have to look it up. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Right? I mean, you 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 
you might know. I do. I don't. Yeah, you do know. But I don't think he's on Mars. I don't think that guy's on Mars. No. No. Okay. No. What? What? What makes you say that? Because I saw him in the comic not go to Mars. Because oh, here, here's why. Here's why. Because okay. last people knew about him on planet Earth, he went to Mars, right? Like he left. You know, the whole scandal of he's causing cancer and whatnot stuff. So he left for mm-hmm. Mars. And then that's the last people ever knew about him. No one ever saw him when he came back to Earth, besides some of the uh, other watchmen, mm. if that's what I call them. And then, like, so no one would ever tell the fact he came back to Earth and then went to another galaxy. Mm. So that, that's why that's I think very that, the last they knew of it, he went to Mars. So it makes sense for that. Okay. It makes sense why they think that. I get why they think that. So, so how do you explain the, the video showing him? Knocking down a sandcastle on Mars. It's all fake. Oh, okay. For the government, yeah. You don't think Dr. Manhattan can be in multiple places at once? He could be. No, that's true. No, that's true, actually. He, he, he literally can be. No, yeah. I mean, he, we saw it with Laurie in, yeah. in the novel, right? Maybe he is, but I don't think he is. I'm convinced he's not on Mars. Okay. But that that's how my convictions. I don't think he's on Mars. So where do you think he is? Mostly because they keep saying he's on Mars makes me think more and more he's not on Mars. Okay. They really want me to know he's on Mars. <laughs> so where do you think he is? Some some just not Mars, not on Earth either. Okay. So the, the whatever galaxy he went to at the end of the book. Yeah, he's chilling okay. wherever he went. I maybe swapped places. I don't know, but he's. He's in either of those two places what or, do you mean or Mars. Places? What does that maybe, mean? Maybe, maybe he messed up a bit on one galaxy and decided to change. <laughs> maybe, oh, he's day. maybe he's like, ah, gotcha. I'm sick of this life too now. <laughs> gotcha. Maybe okay. He went off to do greater things. But right. yeah, yeah, who knows? Who knows where he is? Uh, another thing that I think would pass over you if you do not read the comics Lori's long running joke for the episode. I think it's a lot more confusing if you hadn't read the comics. Yeah, you got the owl guy, you got smarty pants, and then you got the god. Yeah. I'm sad they didn't have masked um, Batman figure. But whatever. (laughs) Because they already cover him enough in the series, but yeah. (laughs) You're talking about Rorschach? Yeah, Rorschach. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Rorschach is pretty heavily leaned upon in this tv series but like like the squid stuff like knowing that vite caused the squid stuff you'd only know that through the supplemental material mm-hmm. right yeah yeah i don't think they've said anything like exactly like you like you didn't know any anyway that's all right well I, let's, let's not worry now. about i'm, that. I'm like raving because, about the point because you know what you and i have read the book that is oh. true no, that and, is true. And if you're listening to this, I guess you, I'm sorry. You, you probably have either read the book or listened to our coverage of the graphic novel. But I do not recommend uh, that our coverage be a substitute for reading the book. Yes. By yes, the way. I, I'll say one more point I'll drop. It's just the, the main reason it bothers me is that I would love to tell this series to my friends. Mm-hmm. But I know I can't. Re- I feel that, that I cannot do that without telling them to first read the comic and i don't think they'll read the comic they'd watch the series mm-hmm. but they would not read the comic oh and so so you could have them watch the Zack snyder movie i could i don't but i oh i haven't seen the movie myself so i'd have to watch that and see for myself yeah. if i think it's yeah it's i mean it's, I, I know you, you said it has controversial ratings yeah i, I mean I, I don't know if controversial like 
discrepant. Yeah, the, yeah, it's mixed reviews. I, I don't love the movie, although I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theaters, and I hadn't read the graphic novel when I saw it, so maybe it's fine. But I don't know if it's a substitute for the graphic novels with the issue. Well, it's it is from what I understand, and I again I I haven't watched it since I read the novel. Um, from what I understand, it is pretty much you're going to get out of it what you like the bare bones of the graphic novel. Like, I'm sorry, you get the, you're going to get the plot out of it. I didn't mean the plot. I just meant that um. Like it's as good as the novel. No, right? it's definitely not like, good. like you're not. I feel like they're not going to watch yeah. the movie and like the universe and know the universe as much. Well, maybe they will know it, mm-hmm. but they're not going to like it as much. But what if you gave them the supplementary materials? You know, you said, "Hey, look, the, after <laughs> See, every the, episode, I think read these." I don't think that's gonna. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Yeah. See, that's that's the thing. I, I think a lot of people don't like reading. <laughs> right. Stop them. But you don't think they could say just uh, just like appreciate? Oh, this this person was a vigilante. Vigilante is no now busts vigilantes, and she's coming to solve this murder case. And appreciate the fact that this is a series that's about race, and appreciate it for for that. They could, they could. Yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know. I, just, I don't think it will be as good though. But maybe they would. Okay. Right. Fair anyway. Anyway, fair enough. Yeah. And that's not to say, by the way, that they aren't going to kind of do a little more, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, but it's not to say that they aren't going to help non-readers out with the with the book material in the series later. They better not now. <laughs> okay. We're this far in, I, I don't want that. I, okay. Now hold on, I, I, I read the book. I don't want any hand-holding for these non-readers. Yeah. And how long did it take you to read the book, honestly? Not very long. I mean, Not very long at all. <laughs> I could, I could like, run away. <laughs> yeah. I, three weeks? With, within a span of three weeks, I think I read the whole book. And hours-wise? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's less than an hour. Maybe, yeah, than it's an less hour than an hour per, per yeah. chapter. Maybe closer to half an hour to 40 minutes per chapter with the supplemental material. Yeah, so let's, say, let's say like maybe eight hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah. And that's less than you're going to spend watching the series. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, that's true. I don't know. I I think it's definitely worth reading the book. I don't want to I be. A, I'm not trying to be a book snob, by the way. Like I, I, I <laughs> well, call him the librarian, right? Yeah. <laughs> because I, you know, honestly, I, there are plenty of there are plenty of movies and TV series that I think are better than their source material. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the type of person that says the book is always better. But by the way, this is not an adaptation. It's it's more or less a sequel. Mm -hmm. So this is a a whole different. Yeah, different different ballpark. It's not even that debate whether what what did it better, the book or the movie. Right. Yeah. Because but but there is a movie though. There is (laughs) a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The book definitely did it better than the movie. (laughs) For this context, but yeah. But uh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we start talking about our favorite scenes is that after every third episode, so after episode three, episode six, and episode nine, HBO did release an official podcast. They're about an hour each, and it's what's his name, Craig Zabin? Is that the guy who's doing The Last of Us? I forgot his name. Oh. Okay. Well, the, whoever the showrunner is for The Last of Us, who always, who also was the showrunner for Chernobyl. Uh, it's him interviewing Damon Lindelof for an hour. So if you want to hear those two guys talk about the 
the three episodes of Watchmen that you just watched for an hour, it's spectacular. I mean, yeah, there's there's no amount of insight that we can give you that's going to be more interesting than what Damon Lindelof has to say about it. So, so it's it's worth listening to that. And I did listen to I listened to it when it first came out, but I re-listened to it again. Um, I, do, I you know I might incorporate some elements of that podcast, but um, I'll try to cite it whenever I do. <laughs> but, but anyway. Yeah, so, just, say, just say it was your own idea, Mr. Sal. Like you were on set and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. yeah, yeah. Well, what if they were thinking this? <laughs> I have a feeling they were thinking about blank when recording blank. Right, exactly. Just a hunch. Yeah. One of the one of the interesting uh most interesting facts that I got out of that was uh, apparently there was a, a panel at New York Comic Con right before the series came out. Okay. And J- Jeremy Irons, who plays uh, Adrian Veidt, was was billed as probably who you think he is. <laughs> <laughs> probably who you think he is. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. So I like that. That, that, that I learned from Damon Lindelof on the podcast. So anyway. All right. Before we get too meta and start talking about well, this is many media, <laughs> we've talked about the book. We talked about a different podcast, and let's try to hone in on this episode that we're that we watched, uh, and then the supplementary materials of fourth media. Um, but let's get each other's favorite scenes. I am going to say that you, I think you just loved the opening. I, I don't think it gets any better than the opening for you. I think there's the excitement of knowing that this is Laurie Juspacek, who is now Laurie Blake. Uh, by the way, Juspacek was her mother's name. Now she's going by Laurie Blake, which is her father's name. Um, the excitement of seeing it be her. There's so much world building in that opening scene. Uh, it's the idea that she, knowing who she is, and that she was this, like, uber popular vigilante like i shouldn't say popular uber famous vigilante and now busts vigilantes i think it's really interesting to you uh, it's probably a little disorienting to see her sticking up a bank first but then once you figured out what it was uh and, and you, the the idea of she shot him and they said somebody says to her how'd you know the body armor would stop the bullet and she doesn't answer because she, she probably won't tell didn't. her secrets. Yeah, well, oh. she probably didn't. She probably didn't care <laughs> if it stopped the bullet or not. And uh, that's a, that's a shift for Lori. Like this is a different Lori than what we got to, than the person we got to know in the graphic novel. Uh, this is a very different characterization of her. But we should remember at the end of the graphic novel, she says, you know, she's gonna kind of switch up her persona and take on more of the persona of her father um and she i I can't remember if it's in the book or if it's in the supplementary materials materials or somewhere we're told that her new persona was not silk specter it was the comedian so did you do you remember it was like leather something i thought yeah leather and and uh but anyway she her new persona was the comedian it wasn't uh, Silk Spectre anymore, but at any rate, this was this was an interesting shift for you, and I think you and, and all the all the while she's telling Doctor Manhattan this joke in the blue booth. So I, I think you'll love that. So I'm going to go with the opening scene as your favorite scene. All right. 
for you, I, I, I have to peg them because I think you're a big fan of Angela. And obviously, you know how the series concludes and you've seen it all. So I, I think your favorite scene, because there's probably going to be more Angela Lori interaction ism after the uh, attack during Judd's funeral and they're inside the mausoleum by the hole and their conversation and Lori trying to kind of sweat Angela and talking about what she knows and Angela giving her squat and that kind of sets the the mood between their relationship a very um, tumultuous and not very friendly one despite them both being authority figures because uh, Lori basically spits <laughs> in the faces of being masked police she didn't seem very happy about that <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, she I even think... tells Joaquin at one point, well, he shouldn't have put masks on police officers. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, what's the difference between a vigilante and a masked police officer? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great line. That is a great line. So, I so I think that's your favorite scene. Yeah, uh, and you're right. That is my favorite scene. I, I love that scene. Uh, it's it's like these two, and the way Lindelof described it, it was like, you, you are this is angela's story this this series is angela's story uh so you're obviously team angela going into this episode like it, it's it's easy you're, you root for angela and then you've presented with this point of view episode where all you get is laurie's point of view and you're obviously team laurie as well and so now when these two go toe-to-toe at the end you're like, well, who do I root for? And, and the answer is both of them. That, that's how Lindelof described it. Um, and it's and that's exactly how I was feeling during that. I was like, but I, I love both of these characters. I, I want them to work together. I don't want them to be adversaries. Yeah. Like, so, Very true. Yeah. So it was, uh, anyway, that, that is that is definitely my favorite scene. I love it. You did not get me correct. My oh. favorite scene, I don't know if you want to call it chalk or anything, the suicide bombing attempt, like the I don't call anything chalk in this episode, so Not I got you. Mostly because I think it has convinced me that Keen is working with the Seventh Cavalry. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh, the way he milks the press afterward. Mm-hmm. This guy knew what was going to happen. Oh. And the supplemental material, right? I I think. I think the Seventh Cavalry likes him, or he's working. Something, something's going on here. Okay. We'll have to talk about that part of it when we get to the supplementary material, but um, but okay, I, I take your point. You think that Keen's working with the Seventh Seventh Cavalry, um, even though he doesn't he like basically declare war on the Seventh Cavalry at the end of the episode. No, I don't worry about that. <laughs> okay, that's one right. side. That's one side. Okay, gotcha. Right. That was a really cool scene. I I particularly liked seeing angelo like click into action after laurie shot him oh this yeah. is another this is another you know the way that in which laurie is quite different from where she was in the graphic novel she just shoots the guy in the head mm-hmm. even though he says yeah it's hooked up to my heart if i die this bomb it's a bluff off. it's probably pro- <laughs> yeah. usually it's a bluff yeah but then laurie just or not sorry not laurie angelo drags him over to the hole in the ground and then pushes Judd on top of him. He literally falls on the grenade. Good old yeah. Judd. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's a very cool scene. Yep. But but you're saying that because they took 
they came out. They said they they just surrender. Keen. Surrender, just, Keen. Yeah, yep. or else. And and, and Keen immediately surrenders. Yep. <laughs> and then afterward, the press, he's like, you know, he's he's having a field day here. Like, listen, and they're talking about his presidential run. Yep. Earlier, he's talking kind of a, a deal with Lori of you know he can release her album. So he's definitely willing to you know make some deals. Mm-hmm. He definitely has big uh, expectations that he wants to be president. Um. Supplemental material talk about you know the the new frontiers supporting him and kind of passively supporting the seventh cavalry. I know they kind of also yeah you know, we we get to that later. But mm-hmm. I I and I felt the last episode. I'm gonna go with it more here. Keen is yeah. Keen is yeah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> it's in in some capacity working with the seventh cavalry. Whether the seventh cavalry is trying to help him or. He's playing them mm-hmm. in some way. I'm not sure, but I yeah. All right. Well, we'll 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 file that away and see how it how it comes back to you. I will tell you this too. I was really torn between the scene that I did choose for my favorite scene and the opening scene. I love the opening scene. Opening scene was very good too. Yes, I did yeah. enjoy that scene. Speaking of the opening scene, how about we enter the recap? <laughs> So Lori is in this blue phone booth looking thing. Uh, I forget what they're called, but we, we don't know right away anyway. Uh, uh, but it's something that's made by True Industries, T-R-I-E-U, True. Um, yeah. And anyway, she tells – this is a, apparently a direct line to Dr. Manhattan. They, they're going to send whatever message you record up to Mars where he allegedly is and – she decides to use this time to tell her, tell him this uh, bricklayer joke, right? Uh, where this, the daughter of a, a bricklayer is helping him build a barbecue and there's one brick left and she just tosses it up in the air. And then she says, ah, forget it. That's a terrible joke. Don't worry about it. And that's all we really get to know about that. But um, she is saying all this in voiceover as we see her go into a bank and hold up the bank as though she's robbing it uh, in cahoots with some other FBI agents who are incognito here. They're doing this to draw out some vigilante named Mr. Shadow. And when she tells him what the, what the idea is here, that, that they were doing this to lure him out and he is under arrest for being a vigilante, he tries to flee and she shoots him. And he does survive but maybe not intentionally (laughs) uh and i don't know if you caught this or not but there one of the agents that she was working with was reading a newspaper and the headline says uh grisham to retire from supreme court i did not see that newspaper no okay i saw in the supplemental material yeah so i love i love this type of world building where and one of the things that that Lindelof was praised for on the podcast by the host of the podcast was that uh, he, he's really good at exposition without like outright just expo- did, telling you stuff. Did, so, did you see the cab advertisement? The cab advertisement. Yeah, it was about like the two minute mark. I'm right. It, it's um, it's it's about uh American hero hero story. story. Yes. Yeah, advertising like the comedian. Yep. Yeah. 
yeah so and, and it's so it's so good and everything's very intentional but anyway this this newspaper article caught my eye because i like seeing that you know what is it henry lewis gates skip gates anyway um is like the new secretary of the treasury and you know robert redford is the president and now we see that john grisham i think we assume it's john grisham and when we get to the supplementary material we'll kind of confirm that it's john grisham is on the supreme court here do you know who john grisham is no who is he okay he's a really famous legal author he writes like lawyer novels like novels Ooh. about lawyers and court cases oh okay so i mean novels for lawyers no, no, no. So um, yeah. some of his more famous ones are like The Firm and A Time to Kill, The Pelican Brief, uh, The Runaway Jury, The Rainmaker. Like, th these are all they're all about court cases and the, either about lawyers or jurors or judges or just trials in general. So it, it, I used to be obsessed with John Grisham when I was in college. I read a lot of John Grisham, so it was pretty interesting to see uh his name pop up here all right anyway uh we go to Lori's apartment and she feeds a mouse to something in this cage uh, we're gonna find out yeah who, <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna find out later that it's an owl named who what a like, terrible name well it's, it's like the who's on first you know what i'm talking about have you ever seen that now what that is that bit? oh really uh so it's an abbott and costello of like skit have you ever do you know who abbott and costello are i do not they're really like i mean they're way before my time they're, but they're they're like a comedic duo and they do this baseball skit called who's on first and where they're they're like the managers of a baseball team and they're trying to put together the starting lineup and uh one, you know one says to the other all right so who's on first exactly yeah but who is it who the first baseman who's on first exactly like, so, like, the idea is the guy playing first base. His name. His who? name is who, and then like, yeah. you gotta go all around the base of the field, and it's like what, and like there's all it's all names that make it hard to understand for one of them. It's very funny. You should just watch it. So, anyway, <laughs> so I get that. Yeah. yeah. So, the, but that's exactly what this is. Who is the owl? So, anyway. Uh, did you notice uh, the blue glow coming from her briefcase when she opened it? No, I did not. Okay, so she opens the, the briefcase thing. She's about to pull out whatever's in there. We don't get to see it right now. And there's this blue glow that, that kind of shines on her face, which is interesting. But she's interrupted by Senator Keene visiting to thank her and to send her to Tulsa to take the lead on Judd's case. He's convinced it was not the 7th Cavalry. Because they always claim a cop killing, and they did not claim this one. And he offers to pardon Dan Dryberg, the night owl that she was married to, who is now sitting in prison. He offers to pardon him if he's president, but he needs to prevent this, uh, this war in Oklahoma because the DOPA, which I think is a defensive, um, defensive police act. Is that what it stands for? Defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Defensive does. Police Act, yep. That was his bill, and it has worked really well. It's kind of his claim to fame, this idea that the police can wear their masks uh, and to, in order to protect them. Uh, and if it doesn't work, if it, it appears to be flawed in Oklahoma and Tulsa, then it's going to be a problem for his campaign. So 
he needs to make sure that this war is prevented and because for that reason makes sense it's worked very well up to this point and i love the staging of this scene because laurie is sitting right in front of that bottom right corner panel of that four panel painting behind her yeah, yeah. where you can see night owl in the top left ozymandias in the top right uh, dr manhattan in the bottom left and then you can't see silk specter in the bottom right because she's blocking it but she is silk specter i thought that was really cool so and then eventually she moves and you see silk specter there but and and it's clearly her the actress jean smart who by the way is the she in the past few years has become one of my favorite actresses. I adore her. She's the main character on Hacks, which is a comedy series on HBO that's amazing. It's so good, and she's she's wonderful. So Jean Smart is phenomenal. I love I love seeing her in this role. Uh, but the painting of Silk Spectre is clearly Jean Smart, right? Yeah, it looks very similar to her. And I don't know if you if you noticed how similar the Ozymandias painting is to jeremy irons like it's clearly jeremy irons if you go back and look at it now i don't know if you noticed it then i did not notice it then i didn't notice the dr manhattan got he got his he's got his hydrogen on his head yeah but he's still rocking does. that still rocking that <laughs> he didn't he, he didn't he didn't advance up to helium yet oh no sorry that's, that, that's like phase two dr manhattan yeah, if he's he comes not like back us. to earth he, he, he... <laughs> He doesn't do fusion yet. <laughs> <laughs> I would love Not it if Dr. Manhattan comes back to Earth. He's like, I'm helium now. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, um, the, I, was, I was really worried looking at this. I was like, oh, crap. That is clearly Jeremy Irons. I hope Kurt doesn't look at, too closely at that and just say, oh, hey, that's the Lord of the Manor. No, I, no, I, I, did not, okay. I didn't notice that. I, I was looking at the, the transition of mostly her there so gotcha i i didn't notice that uh, this does remind me and if this doesn't come up yeah feel free not to say it mm-hmm. you know anything but in episode one you said the subtitles spoiled something oh my god felt. it was episode two two sorry no, was it the... was, it's, it's awful it's like it's a, well i'll tell you about it when we get to the adrian bites okay that's fine yeah okay, fine. Because, because there are a couple of pretty substantial clues that are, are really t- tough not to see once you know but anyway, okay. Moving on, uh, Lori tells uh, the the Doctor Manhattan phone a joke about these three heroes who end up at the pearly gates of heaven. Uh, there's the, starting with Owl Man, who, you know, God says, "Well, what good did you do?" And and he, uh, Night Owl tells him, and presumably Night Owl, sorry, tells <laughs> tells him uh and god says well how many people did you kill he says oh, i didn't i didn't kill anybody not a single person and uh he says oh well you're too soft and sends him to hell with a snap of his fingers okay we next go to an fbi briefing where agent pd we finally meet yes. agent <laughs> pd this is agent pd of the pdpedia that's this is the the person who's generating the supplementary materials is this guy agent pd Right. And he is uh, trying to talk about, he wants to talk about Rorschach's journal, but uh, the director wants nothing to do with it. Uh, she's, and he wants to send a whole team to Tulsa with Lori. And Lori says, no, 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 just me. And I'll take that guy. She takes Agent Petey with her. Now, Petey brought a mask on the trip, <laughs> not a sleeping <laughs> when mask. When in Rome. When in Rome. When in Rome. 
when 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 you go to Tulsa and they're all wearing gator masks, you got to cover the area around your eyes. <laughs> well, he's you know federal agent. He's got to be a little yes, different. I suppose so. I suppose so. Anyway, um, he brought a mask on the trip, but they see out the window this Millennium Clock. Okay, the this is was built by True Industries and late Lady True at the groundbreaking of the Millennium Clock said, look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Uh, and that was an homage to Adrian Veidt, from whom she purchased the company. But it, it's also the, um, the last, I don't know if you remember this, but it's the, the end quote of chapter 11 in the graphic novel. Oh, by Veidt? Yeah. Well, um, no, here, I, I'm going <laughs> to read it exactly for you. Um, so it's, it's not exactly by bite. It's kind of like peripherally by, by bite though. So it's, it's, my name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. And that is Ozymandias. Um, it's, uh, Percy Bichelli, uh, Ozymandias by Percy Bichelli. Uh, but Ozymandias was what Alexander the Great called himself. Oh, okay. Okay, so there you have it. Well, good, good, good for uh, Vite's former company. Yes. And uh, P- Petey believes that Vite is still alive. Laurie, not a fan of Adrian Vite. Could could have something to do with the fact that he uh, <laughs> killed, you know, three dropped, million. Yeah, killed three million people and, you know, almost killed. Oh, I, I mean, presumably. Uh, no, he didn't kill Rorschach. Sorry, Dr. Manhattan did, but um, not that she's defending Rorschach at all. Anyway, no, she's, I, 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 well, how much of Rorschach's journal can Lori confirm is true? <laughs> Probably all a of lot it. of it. Yeah, yeah. If, not, if not all of it, yeah. I, I, at least a good chunk. I, I'm, I'm wondering, like, at least the end bit, you know, yeah, she could be confirming this is all true stuff because it's kind of you know, some take it as gospel others don't Mm -hmm. anyway yeah but she clearly has a very complicated relationship with her past as a vigilante yes and with her job now yes yes busting vigilantes all right jake no i'm sorry not jake the joke (laughs) sorry the joke continues uh next up is the smarty pants hero uh and he turns out to be a monster who killed millions of people so right to hell for you do not pesco do not collect 200 dollars. laurie visits jane crawford this is judd's Mm -hmm. wife we don't get to see any of this interaction we just see her going into the house Uh, i suppose before we see her going into the house we see her looking through the the front uh door and it looks a lot like she's wearing a mask maybe even an owl mask I don't know if you oh, yeah. caught that no, imagery at all, but yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. She and Petey go to some warehouse somewhere where Pirate Jenny and Red Scare have brought a suspect. But she's not there for them. She's not there for the suspect either. She does really play with the suspect a bit. Do you feel like your civil yeah. rights are being violated, sir? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, think your lines were, I was just kidding. I don't care. <laughs> so. Yeah, she, she reminds me a lot of a uh, Nadia in Russian Doll. Oh, yeah, very I similar. I could see that, but I mean, can you see some of like the comedian coming out in her though? 
yeah i mean she's this, making all these jokes yeah this yeah i mean this nihilistic attitude too like I, it's it's really i i think it's pretty cool seeing this different version of Lori. but anyway she's there for looking glass and this place is full of cops and suspects and the pod is inside this i loved this scene when she walks in it, oh. it really it really highlights like you Keen talking about uh, crime rates down 80% since they got this mask stuff and mm-hmm. the police force as a whole. But, man, this police force just feels like another gang. Like, they're just yes. rounding them up. They're in this warehouse. They don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. And they're, like, scaring them. They got dogs, we know. And they'll mm-hmm. talk about how Angel will beat a guy to get a confession out of him for, yep. I guess, an accurate spot. But, geez, yeah, yeah it's... They're very thug-like, the cops. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we go back to what Laurie said to Keen earlier in this episode. Maybe you shouldn't have put masks on the cops. So it's it's really interesting. But anyway, she walks in uh, and she sees all this. And I don't know if you noticed this. I love when Looking Glass comes out and sees her. Did you notice he pulls a handkerchief out and just wipes his mask? <laughs> Yeah, I know you're as right. Though he's, as though he's wiping his brow, but he's got a mask on. <laughs> like, keep it clean. It's a mirror. If he's, if he's sweating, it's not coming through that mask. Maybe it does. Maybe it does. I he can see he's gotta through be able, it. He's got to be able yeah. to breathe. You're right. So maybe, maybe it does. Yeah. I just got I got a big kick out of that. That was hysterical. Anyway, so inside it's his the face, this is yeah, face. That's right. That's true. So inside the racist detector, Lori gets Sister Knight's uh, name from Wade. She calls it a racist detector. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, the joke continues. Next up is the blue godlike character. Who, but the godlike character already knows he's going to hell, so there's no point in even answering any of the questions. And snap, off to hell he goes. Next scene is Judd's funeral. Lori introduces herself to Angela and Cal. And during Angela's eulogy, a Rorschach comes out of the mausoleum with a bomb strapped to him and connected to his heart apparently uh and he wants senator keen who calls who he calls a race traitor a race traitor this is a pretty familiar term I, this is a term that we hear now unfortunately uh, Lori shoots him anyway and angela drags his body into the ground and drops judd's coffin on him just in time we've already talked about this scene a lot so i'm gonna move on from there mm-hmm. next up uh we see now this is we're we're the lord right now. yes the lord of the manor now Vite, this is, yeah we can call him bite now yeah we can call him Vite. i want to be noted here in yeah. my defense right yeah. i have in my notes here we see uh schematic slash workshop of the lord yeah this has got to be Vite. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the first so, thing they show you is this purple Alex, purple mask on a bust of Alexander the Great. So yeah. yeah. So this is <laughs> this is definitely Vite. Now, I will tell you that the other big hint that you could have gotten out of this was in the subtitles in episode two when he grabs the tomato off the tree. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember he, that. I was baffled. He calls his horse by name. And the horse's name is Bucephalus. What was the name of his lynx? Uh, that that was uh, Bubastus. Okay. But this is Bucephalus. So I, if you if you just look up Bucephalus, the first thing, it's the name of Alexander the Great's horse. Oh. Well, well. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God. And I know Kurt watches with subtitles. 
Oh man, I hope that he doesn't look up Bucephalus. I don't think that's a very big spoiler. Oh, I think it's huge. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I mean, like, it can give me confirmation that it's Vite, but yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm all right. But it. you know, it, if we want to look back on what happened in the first couple episodes, right? Uh, you know, he comes in, he's typing, he's written a play, uh, he's it's in some anniversary, and now that we know it's Vite. Uh, you know that takes on a, you know a, a, just a little bit diff- of a different slant, but and not there's not much we can glean out of that. I don't think this the second episode, which is the play itself. I think it's it takes on a much different light when we see it through Vite's eyes instead of Doctor Manhattan's eyes. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, definitely. So, anyhow, okay. The the Vite is hard at work. Um, he gears up uh, Mr. Phillips and then Phillips is suddenly frozen dead. We don't know what happened to him. We know he put him in the suit and then the next thing we know, he's dead. He's frozen. Uh, and Adrian Veidt has a temper tantrum oh, yeah. <laughs> and thinks they need a thicker skin. Here's my theory. Here's my okay. theory. Yeah. Cause he has this play about the watchmaker's son. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's idolized the last thing he said. Now, I don't know why he'd be trying to send someone to Mars because he knows he's not at Mars. I think he's trying to send people into space. Okay. And they're freezing to death because he's trying to make them spacesuits. And it okay. just ain't working. Now, I, I'm curious as to why he has such rudimentary technology. Yeah. But, you know, he's gotten old and maybe he just doesn't want to faff about the complicated stuff anymore. <laughs> but it, it, it appears he's made his own kind of world. And so that I feel about it, like the game warden writing to him and you know, all this other stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, but you're right there. It is very rudimentary technology. Like, I don't think we've even seen any electronics, have we? No, it's like a mechanical typewriter. Got um, all the uh, machinery he uses machinery, for, yeah. like, you know, workshop stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I think he built himself his own little he's still in earth somewhere but he's, he's built himself his own little place maybe it's somewhere in the antarctic who knows but hmm. like that, that was where his first layer was right because i've i'm trying to remember the um the game warden's letter we'll see when we get to it but he, he wrote something like his loyal servant the game warden or something the, oh yeah i mean i think that's just like a not colloquialism it's, it's the opposite it's like uh a formal way of addressing somebody and a little bit sarcastic. I, I got, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, um, he rides past this pirate flag. So mm-hmm. a little signaling of the, the black uh, freighter there, I suppose uh, on a Sith. And he shoots a bison through the eye with an arrow. Wow. What a shot. The Vite method works. Yeah, it does. But then he gets shot at. And and dismissed. Like so, so he leaves after being shot at by the game warden. Uh, he trashes the anniversary cake that they try to give to him, the uh, Phillips and Crookshanks. That is. And while he's meditating, Crookshanks comes in with a letter from the game warden. He seems to have violated the terms of his captivity. You heard you heard that part, right? Yeah. And next time, the game warden will not miss. Thank you for the tomatoes. <laughs> so, and the Lord of Adrian Vite responds and signs his name, Adrian Vite. 
And oh, he, he hunts again at midnight in full Ozymandias gear. Huh. Is the cat did Dr. Manhattan take Vite captive? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. Could mm-hmm. be. Okay. He is Dr. Manhattan after all, but I don't think that's the case. Okay. Well, we will just have to wait and find out. So, um, I guess going back to a couple of things in this, whatever's going on here with Adrian Vite, uh, he seems to be have an un- he seems to have an unlimited supply of Phillips and Crookshanks. What have we seen him kill Crookshanks yet? Oh, you're right. So, yeah. <laughs> I like well, I mean, he has I, one Crookshanks. Right. He's, 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 I he's know. Got, he's definitely got multiple Crookshanks because there were multiple Crookshanks at the play. Oh, you're... I, I don't remember. There you're, were. Yeah, there, the, vi- sure yeah. the violinist was a, was a Crookshanks uh, and there was somebody else who was Crookshanks. Oh, I, I like it more if there's only one Crookshanks with tons of Mr. Phillips. <laughs> like, he's the expendable one. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, no. Now you, Mr. Crookshanks. <laughs> Let Mr. Phillips do that. <laughs> but no, there are multiple Crookshanks. So... Uh, but he's got, it seems to have like this endless supply of these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't mind killing them. And we, we kind of skipped over the part, but when he, he talks to um, Mr. Philip before he goes off to whatever adventure and freezes to death, he, he, there, there's a comment. Um, what's the comment that Mr. Phillips says? I've written down here. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, he has no doubt in Mr. In, in Mr. Vite, you know, the Lord. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's kind of just goes, oh, whatever. You know, you're incapable of doubt, but I appreciate the sentiment nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. So he's incapable of doubt. Yeah. These these life. people seem to be 100 percent devoted to him. Yeah. Listen, he was a ma- you know master of the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. He's made this, tomato trees. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Because he do, he does do he has done genetic research. Mm-hmm. Right. That's where Babastus came from. But yeah. But this letter will have him quaking in his boots, sir. <laughs> it's not, I love it. It's so great. I, I love the campiness of this the, of this stuff. It really is, and I love I love the the zero f's that Vite gives about <laughs> these people that he's with. Yeah. Oh yeah. When he was raging at the guy frozen, just stomping on him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Anyway, back uh, when Tulsa Keen interviews. Uh, this is you talked about this already he's he's doing, oh, doing yeah. this interview he's farmer crazy. keen farmer yes. keen here he's milking him yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. farmer keen and he's praising the police and he's not leaving until the war with the seventh cavalry is won right. and then we get my favorite scene which is laurie's chat with angela i'm just gonna hit some plot highlights we've already talked about like why i love the scene so much but she's going to she was going to exhume Judd's body tomorrow because a tox screen was never done. But she was going to do that, but now she can't because it's blown up. Uh, she says that she found tire tracks from a wheelchair at the scene at a secret compartment in Judd's closet. <laughs> you know, she always checks into closets for secret compartments because they found one in her dad's. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that bit. Uh, she believes Angela knows about that secret compartment and she thinks that Judd and Angela believe they're the good guys. But you know what? She eats good guys for breakfast. <laughs> oh, Angela's Shake, really scared. <laughs> I love her reaction. Yeah, me too. 
Ooh, I'm really scared. <laughs> That's great. All right. Uh, the joke concludes. There was a woman behind the men the whole time she was there, but God never noticed her. Turns out she was the girl who threw the brick, and the brick comes down and hits God, who dies and goes to hell. And then uh, she, she says something like rim shot, curtain, good joke, right? Which is, that is something that the comedian says at some point in the novel. Oh, like curtain, good joke. Yeah. Like, um... yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, she finally opens the briefcase for us to see. So that that was, you know, that's in voiceover. Um, and then we see her opening the briefcase. And did you, you have any idea what this thing was? Yeah, yeah, I know what okay. it is. Okay, a very large blue sex toy. <laughs> uh, it's called the Excalibur. Also in the briefcase, there's a magazine, uh, an Esquire magazine that says Silk Spectre Takes Manhattan. Uh, and she she puts down the Excalibur and instead goes to Petey. <laughs> uh and apparently they have some some fun i suppose mask and all <laughs> but laurie emotionally and we're back in the phone booth now emotionally says goodnight to john and she almost gets crushed by a falling car and when she does she laughs hysterically so i mean she probably did... thinks it was john that did it I, I assume that's what she thinks. You don't think that? No. Who do you think it was? Ask Michael Reeves. Michael Reeves? I keep saying Michael Reeves, whatever his name was. Reeves. Will Reeves? Will Reeves. Oh, Ask okay. Will Reeves. <laughs> okay. But you don't think that's John? No. No, I don't. So you're saying that whatever device picked up the car that Will was in, Whoever was operating that device dropped the car near yeah. uh, Lori. Okay. And you think that's not Dr. Manhattan? Yep. Okay. Not Dr. Manhattan. All right. Okay. Well, that's the, that's the end of the episode. It's a great episode. Oh, it's, it's so that's good. I, I'm, I, I had forgotten that it, that Lori didn't enter the, uh, the series until episode three. And in the first two episodes, I was like, where's Lori? Where's, I don't understand. Where's Lori? <laughs> but uh, th then I remembered. Oh yeah, that's why I love this episode so much. So when I, I look back at my IMDb user ratings, I had originally given the first two episodes a nine, and this one I did give a ten originally. So this this was the hook for me, the big hook. All sense, but yeah, th th this is at least to me definitely by quite a distance the best episode. I, oh, I, I agree. Enjoyed a lot. So. I agree. I love it. All right. So shall we peruse the PDPedia? Of course. All right. There are three articles in the PDPedia, three files, I should say, in the PDPedia this week, or for this episode, I should say. I'm going to start with Agent Petey's memo itself, uh, because there's really not... This is really There's a lot, a lot about of, Hood of Justice and the comedian. But it's a lot of just catching yeah. viewers up on the reading. Yeah, which I don't need. <laughs> no, I don't need it either. And I don't feel like I, I don't really feel like going through this very much. There are just a couple of highlights I want to hit that uh -huh. aren't 
catching us up on the graphic novel. This is new stuff. Um, we we do learn that the American Hero Story writer is J.T. Marsh March the Third, and it's directed by Edwina Taylor. So I'm just going to like, file those names in the memory bank uh, in case they come up later. Um, he is not a fan of American Hero Story. He does not think it's based on evidence, but rather a political agenda and entertainment value. Well, he does have okay. a PhD in history. He's just not he sure a random yeah. fanboy. I did like him pushing back on Laurie a bit. That was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he just said exactly what you just said. Anyway, uh, we got a lot of background on Hooded Justice, although I don't think there's anything that's new if you've read the graphic novel. Uh, we get... Uh, they said he says that American Hero Story presents Hood of Justice as possibly having multiple personality disorder, which I did not get out of the scene that we saw, but apparently he did. Well, he saw some other episodes, right? That's what, like they got a subpoena. He, he, he saw, saw the first two, I think. Yeah. Um. So and we, we didn't even not... see the full first episode when right we saw, exactly. We saw <clears throat> yeah. Uh, he does not like the treatment of the comedian either. He's critical of his of the the use of talk. Uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> He's critical of the fact that they portrayed him as just a manifestation of toxic manual- masculinity. He thinks that's inaccurate. Um, and just some more background uh, on the comedian, and some more background on Sally Jupiter, who was apparently portrayed as unauthentic celebrity seeking hustler. And he's disappointed they'll be showing the sexual assault of the comedian on Sally uh, and he warns Lori not to watch. Okay. Even though Lori doesn't read these. Yeah. Even though Lori doesn't read these. Okay. I don't have anything else to say about this memo. This is like I said, this is just a lot of book background. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now the new frontiersman article that's in here. This is really interesting. I like this. I love all the little um, quips. He said like the, the Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, the, so the New Frontiersman was a newspaper that was um, Rorschach was a huge fan of it, but it's a very right wing, very conservative newspaper. Um, and apparently, and according to this uh, article, a white supremacist newspaper as well. <laughs> um, but just so they in this paragraph where he's talking about the new uh, nominee for Supreme Court justice after the retirement of, of John Grisham, he he drops in a whole bunch of titles of John Grisham books. So uh, he says his replacement for the infirm hack, like, so the firm is okay. a John Grisham novel. Uh, will this runaway jurist now spend the remainder? The runaway jury is a, a John Grisham novel. Uh, will he now spend the remainder of his life further destroying our minds with more junk like the Pelican dis- deposition? Uh, the Pelican brief is a John Grisham novel. Anyway. We don't know who the new nominee for Supreme Court is, but should we know that she's the youngest candidate in Supreme Court history? She'll surely be confirmed since Congress is stocked with what he calls Kremlin stooges. And he refers to President Robert Redford as our grotesque Gatsby, who uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Gatsby, uh, Redford played Gatsby in the no, original. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah in, in a movie adaptation of The Great Gatsby. Um, we also get some background information on other Supreme Court justices. G. Gordo Liddy. Oh, the past ones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So G. Gordon Liddy 
was one of the uh, people arrested for the Watergate scandal. But we have to remember in this world, never happened, never happened. <laughs> so he was on the Supreme Court uh, and Bill Buckley, who is a, a conservative author. Wow. Anyway. Uh, and then he, he oh I like this but yeah he he wants to he has this the slogan free at last free at last if we can get a McConnell or a Keene or a Limbaugh elected in 2020 we'll be free at last so he wants the president to be Mitch McConnell presumably who mm -hmm. uh, listeners will probably recognize politics, as, yeah, as as this uh, the the Senate. Major, minority leader right now there so he's the, the head of the republican senate uh keen of course is joe keen and limbaugh would be rush limbaugh who's a, a very right-leaning uh political pundit mm -hmm. yep all right uh we get some information uh, sorry go ahead well i want to stop you here well i hear about the guy eventually uh, redford doing a constitutional coup and he says all these you know like the wacky waldo blah 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 <laughs> When he when he I've never seen someone use it like this. Do you see where he says a uh, menage a treason? Yeah, menage a treason. Do, do you know do you know what that's a reference to? Well, menage a trois. Yeah, it's a menage a trois. I was like, that's right. so clever. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's, I like a that. So a threesome, a threesome. But he's referring to the fact that the <laughs> the Democrats would have control of the presidency, the both both houses of Congress, and now the Supreme Court. So yeah, yeah, yeah menage a treason. <laughs> and I should treat him complete. Uh, like oh, man. Anyway, uh, he we get some information about what redfordations means. So let me read you this excerpt here. Our clever conservative crusaders hustled the sun-bleached blondness of white guilt that is our president. So the, the sun-bleached blondness of white guilt is, is how he refers to Redford again. And to a compromise, because what happened was Johnny Cochran who was one of O.J. Simpson's defense attorneys, actually did bring a Supreme Court or a case before the Tulsa uh, Circuit Court uh, it, as, as a case for reparations. And it actually did get thrown out because the statute of limitations had been, they said, had been exceeded. And because they said that descendants of the of injured parties were not traumatized by the events. OK, okay so, so th that actually happened. Um, but now here it says uh, there, in this world, there was a compromise that stopped the Cochran lawsuit from uh, by agreeing to support Redfordations, which is not actually called Redfordations. It's actually called the Victims of Racial Violence Act. So uh, th this is like uh, the Affordable Care Act is, is called Obamacare, right? This is mm -hmm. Redfordations, which is actually the Victims of Racial Violence Act. Um an outlay of generous tax relief for survivors and their descendants of just 50 incidents of certifiable atrocity perpetrated by structures or agents of white supremacy. And so the, instead of reparations for all African-American people, it was, they isolated the compromise was they isolated it to 50 incidents and didn't give out money, just gave them tax breaks. Mm -hmm. Okay, which actually that was those were some of the signs uh, of protest outside uh, the the Greenwood um, like museum or, or yeah or, right. Remember the protesters? Yeah, uh, some of them were say, were talking about taxes. But anyway, so that's that's interesting information. Uh, we get a little salute to the Seventh Cavalry here 
when he says all that was gained from our feudal resistance efforts was the radicalization of well-meaning patriots, <laughs> well-meaning patriots who think Literally. terrorist violence will bully the liberal establishment into surrender. Oh, I salute God. you, good this, soldiers. This is so two-faced. Yeah. <laughs> Praises them and then goes, but listen, shouldn't yeah. be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you oh. honor the black and white mask you wear, but I stand with Senator Keene here. I cannot <laughs> condone your methods. Even if I approved of fighting the authority that enforces an unjust law, remember that some who wear the badge may very well share your values. And yeah, what, so this is what also makes me think that Keen's like on the Seventh Cavalry side. Like this guy goes, "I'll stand with." Sen-. Basically, what this guy's doing is what I think Senator Keen's doing. Okay, in a roundabout way. Yeah, well, this guy's just signaling to. Yeah, this guy's way more overt about it. The, the Seventh Cavalry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is, this is, this is, I mean, we hear this well-meaning patriots. We hear that all the time, (laughs) like well-meaning patriots. I mean, that's exactly, almost exactly verbatim um, what was said about, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get it wrong. Oh, the, the, oh man, the white supremacists in Virginia, was it Virginia? Like back when when, um... when, Trump, when Trump said there were uh, good people on both sides, do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. The, Charlotte, it was like a... Charlottesville. That's what. Yeah, it was. Charlottesville. Yeah, Charlottesville. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, well, many pages. Now, this, by the way, this series and all the supplementary material is, is materials pre um, January sixth. Yeah, that's twenty twenty one. This came out two thousand nineteen. Yeah, right. I mean, obviously they had a film and yeah, but well meaning patriots was another. It was a term that was thrown about about by uh, right wing uh, individuals about January sixth as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he concludes this article by saying that uh, they should all just start looking for ways to get to Mars. Oh yeah, because <laughs> the planet's surface is red. Dr. Manhattan is blue. There's only one color missing up there to make our flag complete. Oh, I love that. Oh, oh. oh man. I mean, that is, I mean, it's, it's Let's very clever. It's very clever, but it's, it's gross. Oh, I love man. this guy's wordplay. Wow. Yeah. All right. So that's the new Frontiersman article. And then finally, we get this letter to Sheriff Crawford on June 2nd, 1955. So- so a descendant, or not an ancestor? Yes, because we yes. do know he had um his family was in the police, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's from the original Keen. Yes, the OG, J. J. David Keen. Yes, uh, exactly right. And and he's talking about the painting that's hanging up in Judd's house. The name of the second right. episode. Yes, uh, which is Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. So that painting is by an artist named George Catlin. Uh, and the original painting, that's not the original painting. The original painting was called Comanche Feats of Martial Horsemanship. And it, the, the way that Senator Keene describes that painting, he says, it's an image that shows just how formidable our savage enemies can be and how defeating them demands we match them in cunning skill and ingenuity. I'm, so he's, he's, literally calling native americans savage and this is this is senator joe Keene here mm-hmm. um 
but it turns out later in in life, Catlin uh, fell on some hard times and had to sell all his paintings. And he sold them to someone who did not display them, but rather like hid them away. And so he reproduced them from sketches that he had uh, with new titles because you, you, to avoid plagiarism uh, claims. Uh, and so instead of Comanche feats of martial horsemanship, it's now martial feats of Comanche horsemanship. And that's the painting that Judd had on his wall. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and th- there's, there's some really interesting stuff in here about manifest yeah. destiny. There's right. a lot, a lot, lot of talk going on here. Oh yeah. yeah. Of, uh, you know, the talks about relating themselves to, um, I'll forget the, I don't want to say that, but coming for Troy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Being yeah. off their true course. <laughs> yep. So it says, uh, he says, and until that, he says, uh, let this painting challenge you, comfort you, and inspire you. The challenge to never betray your birthright. The comfort. Birthright. Yeah, your birthright. So that, this is what I'm talking about. This is the manifest destiny idea. Mm-hmm. The, um, Anyway, the, like really, it's white might, right? Um, the comfort should misfortune befall you. Do not despair. As long as you breathe, there is hope. And the inspiration at every turn, execute your duties with the talents of your ad- of our adversaries and double them. Cunning, skill, ingeniousness. These are your powers of office. Use them well. And then it goes on to this, like, we Achaeans of tr- coming from Troy, beating off our true course by winds, I'm sorry, beaten off our true course by winds from every direction across the great gulf of the open sea, making for home by the wrong way or the wrong courses. So we have come, so it has pleased Zeus to arrange it. And the signature, D- J. David Keene, but it says Akia, A-K-I-A. I don't know what that means, actually. Um, and there's this symbol of, it looks like an, I guess it looks like an eye. I said like a compass is what I, a co- I Oh, it could be a compass. Okay, so it's, but it's, oh, it, so I like that because it's got the four points, right? So mm-hmm. I, I saw an eye, but you saw a compass because in what I saw as the eye, on the top of the eye, there's a, a, an arrow pointing up. On the bottom, there's an arrow pointing down, left, left, and right, right. Yeah, well, right. I, I thought it was like an eye in a compass, kind of. Right, an eye in a compass, and then the, that compass is in two concentric circles, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay, so there, there you have it. That that symbol, I don't know what that means. Do you not know what it means? No, I do know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so I, ah, oh, it, it's probably already been shown. I feel like, but yeah, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep a lookout for. Yeah, this keep side. keep keep an eye out for the eye. So okay. I. I I matey. Okay. Wow, brilliant. Thank okay. Uh, how are we doing on time? Oh, let's Look check at- the time. Whoa, 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 whoa! It's TV time. Ain't no time like a TV time. Easy one, Mister Cell. Easy one. Easy one. So you think? Everyone. Everyone. Five and both you and the people, Lori. Okay, well, and I say that you said Lori as well. <laughs> I thought you would. Did you? Yeah, I thought you'd say that. Uh, but did you say Lori? 
I thought you'd say I thought you'd guess that I would say that, yeah. And you were right. Was I right? <laughs> yeah, you were right. <laughs> okay, guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm having trouble coming up with a, a, a reasonable alternative to Lori here, but um I mean you could try to say Angela and maybe looking glass, but I suppose Adrian Veidt, oh. right? Because if, if you're really That's excited true. that he That's revealed true. himself as Adrian Veidt, but uh, you were right that the audience did say uh, five, seven, seventy-one percent. Yes. The audience said Lori, and yes, I said Lori as well. I think that's a no-brainer. But and the audience said Lori eighty percent. Good. Okay, I'm glad yeah. they did. Angela was in second with sixteen percent. So you had it. Well, I'm I'm glad to see that that's the case. Very excited to see Lori. I, I the series is trending in upward direction. We just got to wait for Doctor Mahan to return. That'll be great. <laughs> Hopefully, those Russians they're building that intrinsic field thing. Maybe we'll have um. Oh, yeah, so that was that was dropped in this episode somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. That, I, I don't I remember. They, exactly I forgot when they said exactly. Yeah. yeah, the Russians are trying to build one, and if they get mm-hmm. one, maybe they'll somehow get a, their own Doctor Manhattan. And then, uh, oh, interesting idea. I don't think that'll actually happen, but <laughs> I'm sure they've already tried to make another. Do- oh, I don't know. Do you want to try making another Doctor Manhattan if you're the U.S.? Uh, worrying to try to. I mean, things were pretty good for the United States when he was around. Yeah, but now the squid came. Ah, yes, the squid. The squid. Uh, you know, sometimes on other series we talk about goodest characters. Do you want to talk about goodest characters in the series right now, or not yet, or not no, at all? Uh, not yet. I mean, I think the point of Watchmen is that everybody's so never got, good. Yeah. yeah, everybody's got both, right? So, that was a bit gray. Yeah, no one's yeah. completely good, which is also a good thing. You could try to point out a goodest character in that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to, I'd have to think about that a little bit. I think, I, I don't, I don't see. Hmm. Maybe Cal. Cal seems pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Maybe um Dr. Manhattan, you're chilling on Mars. <laughs> Ain't hurting no one. Okay. Yeah, I suppose. So Adrian Vite, easily Adrian Vite. <laughs> Roasting Phillips alive. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, if there's nothing else, folks, you can contact us at showhopperspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We would love it if you gave us some five-star ratings and some reviews to help us spread the podcast around. Uh, actually, spreading the podcast around by telling people about it is even is just as good, if not better. So that we would really appreciate that as well. Uh, we will be back next week for episode four. But before we cover episode four of Watchmen, Kurt, are you really excited about what about what drops on Thursday for us? Oh boy, am I! <laughs> our, I. our premiere coverage of The Last of Us episode one. We're getting out on the ground floor, season one, episode one, as it happens. I'll clear out of the way, because here we come mm-hmm. with our Last yeah. of Us coverage. Ooh, is it going to yes. be good? I don't know yet. We haven't covered it yet. <laughs> but, but check it out Thursday. And you, you can watch it now if you're listening to this. So give you know watch that episode one quick because we only got a few days before our podcast drops on it, and you're gonna want to listen to that. I mean, it's gonna yeah. be good. 
It's got to be good. But if the series is good, hopefully it is. Regardless of whether the series is good or not, our coverage will. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You'll love to see us bash on if it's if it's bad. We'll just be sitting there complaining. (laughs) That would be fun. We have not had that yet because we keep picking series that we know we like. Yeah, yeah. So this is the first new series that we've ever covered. Yeah, very unknown series. Yeah, I I guess the only ones we had a risk of that is Dexter New Blood. Yep. Last season of Ozark. Mm -hmm. And uh. Last season of Better Call Saul. I mean, we've covered other, that, we've covered other series live. We've you know we've covered the White Lotus season two. We've covered you're uh, right. You're the right. Uh, Only Murders in the Building season two. Like we, we've done, we've done. Holy stuff. crap! You're right. Yeah, we've done a lot. Speaking of what we've done, let me tell you what all, all of what we've done. I forgot. We've covered some Better Call Saul, some Black Mirror, some Centaur World, or all Centaur World. Um, Dexter, New Blood, The Leftovers, Lost, Only Murders in the Building, Ozark, Russian Doll. All of the White Lotus up to, through the first two seasons. Uh, and now we're working on Watchmen and The Last of Us. So there's a lot to listen to. Go back in our catalog. Check it out. It's good stuff. I think it's good stuff. So, all right. I think that's all I have to say. So all best wishes and encouragement, Mr. Sal. Shoe hammer some show hoppers into your day.